Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Nice and soft. Nothing breaks up. So true. All right, LB. Let's just start with some housekeeping. Tommy in New Hampshire brought up a great point today. He noticed something. As you know, I was Facebook friend. I'm sorry. I was friends, literally friends, on Facebook and uh, following each other. Right. You were mutuals. With golf supermodel Paige Spiernak Mm -hmm. for years, actually. Probably about six years. Wow. It was a bragging right to show people that this was my life adorned with beautiful blonde women everywhere from golf, the world of golf, to media, etc., to even my own wife. <laughs> and then I had mentioned to Dave Cullinane, my friend, that Paige um, was gaining weight. It was like a report. Which- and she, she was. She was gaining. She's. She's. She had gained weight, and I may even have used the word fat. But guys talk like that. She still remained lovely. Whatever. Somehow she scanned. She's got like a million followers. She scanned and found that, and unfollowed me. I don't think you even said it on Twitter. I think somehow she knew. She broke up with me, mm-hmm. and I said, "Hey, why are you unfollowing me?" She said, "You called me fat," and that's the last thing she ever said to me. Wow. She ever said, well, guess what? Guess who is low now and who is high? <laughs> Alas. New York Post, page six, Paige Spiernak reveals why her breasts have gotten a lot bigger recently. <laughs> Paige Spiernak said the human body is a magical thing while explaining her why her chest has gotten bigger recently. During an Instagram Q&A, a follower asked the golf influencer whether she gets annoyed by people asking whether her breasts are real. That's a guy's weasel way of asking the question. No, because they've actually gotten a lot bigger. So I can see a lot of people being confused, she explained in a video response Wednesday. Oh, I should have the video response. 
I've always had a chest, but not like this Spearneck 30 went on. It's because I've gained weight. But I can see why people ask the question. So there you go. Because I've gained weight. Congratulations. This person who excoriated me and broke off a relationship with me. Because I suggested that she gained weight, which she had. And uh, I think she looks pretty good. Fine, but she, <laughs> I mean, she's going to hear this and be upset, so I don't want to do anything. Okay, so we'll move from Paige Spearneck. That is one victory. V, woo, victory for <laughs> okay. me. Okay. To, um, do you realize we're going to be uh, fighting Hezbollah in a war soon? So tomorrow, the, the head dude at Hezbollah, they put out this motivational video showing how cool they were, which includes the music, the native music of Hezbollah, which is just great. Um, and they're going to be giving a speech tomorrow, which actually is today over there. Um, mm -hmm. And what happens, Alice, if they decide to have an incursion into Israel? And we've got our two big fleets over there. And Biden is writing, is running, uh, don't be Islamophobic um, operations now as because he's getting crap from inside the administration and from Democrats. What happens if Hezbollah attacks Israel? Uh, we get involved. Do we? I think we probably do. Don't we? So we're going to fire missiles and drop bombs in Lebanon and deal with the fallout of people saying that we're killing civilians everywhere. Uh, I don't know, but I don't... <sighs> I mean... We can sit here and say that we're, you know, not going to get involved, but I, I just don't see how you have, if Hezbollah really went after Israel too, like Israel's supposed to be our ally, right? We're just going to let Hezbollah go in there? Well, I mean, Israel can probably handle Hezbollah, but we're in a supporting role. We're going to help them. That's why we've got the carrier group there. Do you think that this president, it is official. Now, you have Dick, Dick Durbin and Biden yesterday because some freak thing asked Biden, when are we going to do a ceasefire? Should we do a ceasefire? Saying they could pause. It's time for a pause. Right. It's time for a pause. They haven't really yet begun this thing. Well, and you'll see, we talked about the Islamophobia stuff yesterday, but a big part of the reason why Biden's doing all this stuff is that um, Muslim groups in the U.S. are essentially threatening to not vote for him, to sit out well, the election, Well, yes, the, yes, and also the media has switched. Now, this is Caitlin Collins uh, hammering a senior advisor to Netanyahu. Israel committed to making sure that the Rafah crossing stays open so these, these crossings can continue. We are indeed, and we're hopeful that we'll see more people uh, be leaving in the coming days. Uh, uh, obviously, we're talking first and foremost about the na nationals with uh, two passports, uh, sorry, the dual nationals uh, who have a foreign passport. And of course, uh, now that the Egyptians have established a field hospital on the rougher side, uh, on the Egyptian side of the rougher crossing, we're hopeful that people who need that, that hospital attention need health care can go there too. We're hopeful that other countries will be augmenting the Egyptians and we'll see further field hospitals there on the Egyptian side of the crossing. 
And our understanding was that Americans, in large part, I know there are a few people who got through today, doctors, will be crossing on Thursday. Can you explain why that is? And is that your understanding as well, that Americans, most of them out of Gaza, it is, will be allowed to leave? It is incredible that she is hammering this guy with questions about how they're going to handle the enemy's civilians. Right. They were attacked by the country. The people voted at one point, at least in 2006, for these people. This country attacked Israel. Right. And now it's Israel's job to... Take in the civilians. To take in the civilians, to make sure no civilians are hurt, even though the civilians are only in harm's way because of the enemy. Right. It's all on Israel. They have to do every single part. Leave on Thursday. From our point of view, this should have been done uh, uh, weeks ago, at the very beginning of the conflict. I remember this issue was first raised by Secretary Blinken when he was here on his first visit, and that was just a few days after the conflict had started. Uh, so from our point of view, this was something that we wanted to happen a while ago. It took us a while to get make this happen, primarily because Hamas caused a lot of problems, only because of pressure on Hamas. I think have they agreed now to, to for the exit of the, the people with the foreign passports? Well, Israel, of course, was part of those negotiations as well. There were some concerns over when uh, Israeli airstrikes and where they were hitting. But I do want to ask you, because the IDF confirmed today that the Jabalia refugee camp has been hit for a second time, of course. By the way, it's a real city. Yeah. Jabalia refugee They camp. just call it refugee camp because you and I were talking about this today. There was, in the 1940s, at the end of World War II, there were a lot of people moving around and a lot of new countries formed and mm -hmm. codified and people ended up in places where they didn't necessarily intend to be. I mean, like, England turned their colony into India and Pakistan around that time, too, right? Like, and divided people up and did this stuff. And, like, but for some reason... The Gazans are the only ones who get to still call themselves refugees from something that happened 85 years ago or whatever. That comes after yesterday. The IDF said a strike there killed a Hamas commander, but we also know it, it killed civilians as well. Why did Israel strike again here? And do you know how many civilians have been killed in this area as a result of these strikes yesterday and today? So we know we've taken out a senior Hamas commander who was directly involved in the massacre of and she's got her stone face, A student. I'm holding them accountable. Yep. You know, A student, pat me on the head. I'm I'm really good at this. I'm super competent. Of course, she's a fool who doesn't understand. It's airstrike. We're at war. It's a series of airstrikes and incursions and rocket fire. It's not, it's, this is like, she's acting as if Israel attacked them. Right. Uh, as you will recall, uh, there were rapes, there were beheadings, uh, there were people burnt alive, uh, burnt so badly. We uh, until today we've got 130 bodies that we can't uh, recognize who they are. They're, they're just she's emotionless. Uh, and uh, anyone who was involved, especially a commander of the operation, we have a duty to find them and to bring them to justice. And we have meted out very, very speedy justice with this this individual. But to the question of why did Israel strike a second time today, and do you have a, an estimate of how many civilians were killed as a result of these strikes yesterday and today? So I can't tell you, I know that... Does, it, does he have to go over there and give them mouth-to-mouth, -mouth, the people who are dying? Yeah. It's freaking incredible. Incredible. This is not a news media outfit, CNN. This is incredible. Senior Hamas commanders, and we've hit many Hamas uh, terrorists. That's our goal. In the Jabalia camp, 
subterranean. Your pictures are only showing what's above ground for obvious reasons. But underneath there, you have a spiderweb of, uh, of tunnels, uh, uh, of bunkers, of uh, uh, fortifications, an underground city, which Hamas has built over the years, of course, stealing the cement and the electricity and so forth from the people of Gaza. And in building those fortifications, that's an integral part of their military machine, and we are about to destroy that military machine. If we need to attack it again, we'll attack it again. Okay, but you're not acknowledging how many... I assume Israel does have an estimate of how many civilians were killed. I assume you have an estimate of how many civilians are there when you make a calculus. She is somebody who is not listening to what he's saying. She thinks she's being a hard-nosed badass by just asking the same question. He's giving her enough information for her to be able to move on and uh, come up with a point, but consensus, but she's not. On when to strike, tell me if that's wrong. But when you decide on striking targets that you say are military targets, but are also where civilians are. I mean, how many civilian deaths does Israel believe are acceptable in an airstrike if it is a military target? So obviously we try to keep any collateral damage to a minimum, as minimum as possible. And the advantage of this particular location is that it has been largely, not totally, but largely evacuated because we were telling people there two weeks ago longer that they should evacuate that area, that there will be fighting. And that whole area around Gaza City, including the refugee camp, uh, about 800,000 people have moved to the south as we requested, and more so in the, uh, in the last few days as the ground operation started. And so we think there, of course, are civilians still in the area. We're making a, a great effort to, to distinguish between them and Hamas. But the good news is that the, the huge civilian population that used to be there ha- has vacated. But do you know how many were killed? I can't tell you exactly. This CNN is working for Hamas. Yeah, it's incredible. Yep. They're using what they've got left as a reputable news agency to promote Hamas. That's exactly what they're doing. I mean, did did they not get it when they said it declared war? Or the, the fact is that the Hamas propaganda machine is getting to the people at CNN. Right. Freaking, it's a war. It's a war. What yeah. do you want? These, this particular enemy ours is so ruthless and vicious that they're hiding behind civilians. Right. So what do you want to just call the whole thing off? You know, say, oh, well, you know. I'll well, come. I guess they can terrorize us once every few years. They can do a massive terror attack because we can never hurt of, any civilian ever, even said, if Hamas is using them as human The leader shield. of Hamas said they were going to do one like every day. Yeah. No, the guy, the spokes guy on the on the memory yes. channel, he was on TV saying, we're going to do a million of them. We're going to do them until Israel is gone and there's no more Jews left here like that. So, I mean, like, what are you supposed to do? The people who are running the Gaza Strip, Hamas and their allies do not want a two state solution. They don't no. want Israel to exist they want everybody in Israel dead. Like you, how are you supposed to coexist with that? The only way forward is a future without Hamas there, and that Fowler, only we'll happens speak. if they destroy them. Like right. there's no, there's no alternative version of the future here. Right, and in locally, it's the same thing. Media is drawing a total equivalency of Hamas and Israel. Right, and it, it, there was in Connecticut. They uh, we covered a story where they did it today, but it's happening everywhere with national news as well. It's so interesting how quickly everybody, how quickly they turned, mm-hmm. 
And actually, it happened... I mean, really, the fact that they covered these celebrations of this massacre as protests... Yeah. Rather than the ghoulish celebration of a massacre... Tells you all you really needed to Protests know. Protests against the genocide in Gaza. Right. Like, just take it at face value, everything. All these people say that they're protesting. It's absolutely amazing. And, like, we've talked about this before, but Israel has nuclear weapons. Israel has very strong military capabilities. They don't have to warn all the civilians to evacuate. If they actually wanted to genocide the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip, they could do that. But they choose not to. Yeah, I want you to hear this. Islamophobia is showing up on Mm -hmm. college campuses. This is Channel uh, 8 in Connecticut. Their player is very tough to use, so I'll try to do my best here. But yeah, the president was in uh, Minnesota yesterday. When something asked him. And the... Council on American Islamic Relations Care. They organized all these protests against Biden ceasefire now, you know, and they're saying that they're not going to vote for him now, that they're going to sit out the election, which, you know, I I don't know where that hurts him most. Probably Michigan could be a little bit tough. They have a pretty big Muslim Impacting population. the safety of some people now in this country, anti-Semitism and Islamophobia now showing up on college campuses. News 8's Ken Houston live at UConn They're both showing with up. reaction from students. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Keith. Yes, we talked with both Israeli and Palestinian students out here, and they say that this hate is showing up here on campus in both flyers as well as spray-painted messages on campus. In fact, they call the environment downright hostile at times. The president of UConn's Center for Jewish Life says the rallies, chants, posters, and spray paint have made it difficult to grieve in nearly one month since the Hamas attack. The situation has not gotten any better. A representative with the organization Students for for justice in Palestine tells us the hate is not just one-sided. Oh, oh well then. Oh well. There you go. Yeah, one people are actually being set upon after being massacred, and the other people are just saying, "Yeah, it's not just one-sided." Yeah, there's um uh genocided. We're genocided in in, in Gaza, even though their population is like up by like two hundred percent in the right. last. It's amazing. Amazing, right? But I mean, okay. So we're so what happens? So what? I do not think that we're using this carrier group to do anything when Hezbollah strikes. We can't. You don't use, think so? I don't think so. I don't think we're gonna, we're gonna go. We're gonna bomb if we're not gonna let the Israelis bomb militant Hamas. You don't think? You think we're gonna let us bomb Hezbollah? Hell no. I mean, if they're literally attacking. <clears throat> the idea is to dissuade them with our big ships. But now they can tell that we're scared of Muslims in this country. Right. Which is a, uh, which is a, pro- it is a problemo. It's a big problem. And these people, man, these, that's fine. Once again, I would just say to uh, Jewish Americans, um, get guns. Now's the time. Actually, all Americans get guns because you've got nobody. Here's Jesse Kelly from, I don't know if this is from tonight. It's from yesterday. And then he wasn't on the five today. Oh, you get suspended for this? Okay. I want to say something about Arab Americans Mm. and about the Muslim world. I'm not going to hold your hand. 
Even though I should, Dana. <laughs> we, when I say we, I mean the West and Western technology have created the Middle East. We made them rich. We got that oil out of the ground. Our military protects all of these oil shipments flying around the world, making them rich. We fund their military. We respect their kings. We kill their terrorists. Okay? But we've had it. We've had it with them. Obama, Trump, now Biden have tried to get the heck out of that stupid desert. Just as we're about to get out, because we have this great balance of power we're arranging, these crazy Muslim fanatics come in and massacre over a thousand of our allies and hold Jewish people hostage, hold Americans hostage. And so if you're an Arab American in this country and you rip down posters of Jewish hostages, of American hostages, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Someone is going to get punched in the face. When you rip down posters of hostages like that, this is absolutely not. And the New York Times, the second sentence, Greg, that I thought was even worse, whose suffering should command public attention right. and sympathy? So what they've done is they've now made suffering a commodity. Mm -hmm. They'll put a price tag on emotional suffering. You know, is it, is it the Jews? Uh, is it black teens? the Native Americans, the Palestinians, you know, who's suffered the most? And he who's suffered the most is allowed, as you say, a free punch. And so now they've justified violence to yeah. avenge suffering. And so now people are above the law, people are below the mm -hmm. law, and that's making everybody crazy because we can't live in a country like that. Mm -hmm. and, and I won't live in a country like that. Do you imagine, I mean, like, I was just thinking about this, that you can burn the American flag and generally people just... Um, that was Jesse Kelly's finest moment. Yeah, <laughs> Jesse Kelly. I'm sorry, Jesse Waters. Jesse finest Waters moment. is finest moment. Yeah, he that's he's exactly spot on. So he wasn't in today. So they didn't say he's suspended, but um, yeah, I don't know if he'll have his PM show or not. So but. this is another cut from the five tonight. Islamophobia, and so that's what you're seeing. So this comes amid new questions if President Biden is starting to cave to the far left over a ceasefire. The president now says that he'd support a pause in fighting Israel's war against Hamas after a heckler interrupted his remarks during a campaign event yesterday and demanded one. All right, uh, Brian, hey, good of you to be here when Jesse's got some time off. He's at, at an event out in California, I understand. Mm. Um, yeah, so when you people were questioning if maybe it had to do with the rant yeah. yesterday. Um, uh, Douglas Murray has also been on fire. Um, uh, UK, this is his tweet. That's his sort of issue, right? Oh, yeah. UK Hamas supporters are now planning a million man march on Remembrance Day. This is, uh, they plan to defame our war dead and desecrate the cenotaph itself. I don't know what that is. This is the tipping point. If such a march goes ahead, then the people of Britain must come out and stop these barbarians. That's their Veterans Day, right? Remembrance Day? Yeah. Armistice Day, whatever we're calling it. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll see. But I mean, like, that's what people do is they destroy. If you're taking over a culture, then you destroy the monuments to the old culture, right? That's mm -hmm. why we're melting down General Lee and why they want to get rid of Mount Rushmore and everything else, right? Um, 
Of course, that's an instinct that can also be used for good. Did you see the stuff about President Naib Bukele? I don't know if I'm saying his name right. No. Um, but we've talked about him before, right? You remember him? He's the one who's gone after all the gangs. He put like 80,000 people in jail or something. No, from where? Um, what's the country? Uh, El Salvador. Uh, and he's hugely popular. Right, right. He put like literally tens of thousands of people in jail within like a couple of weeks. He's gone after the gangs hardcore and crime has gone down and people love him. He has like a 90% approval rating. Right. Because people actually like when you, but of course in the West, because we want the people in El Salvador to have to be victims to all the crimes of mm-hmm. the gangs in MS-13, um, you know, we call him a fascist and everything else here in America. They don't like him, but people in El Salvador love him. So they've gone through on All Saints Day, which is yesterday, and they're desecrating all the graves, destroying all the gravestones of all the MS-13 people who are buried in the wow. cemeteries. Yeah. They Oof. have people going through with, like, big... Um, wow. El yeah. Salvador. Yeah, so but it's symbolic, obviously. I don't know. It seems a little extreme to me, but I mean, it's for sure symbolic. Like, and I, if you're gonna do it to somebody, I'd rather you're doing it to MS13 than to like the to American get, president. Remember they try to get Trump in trouble for saying, "Hey, cops, when you get one of these MS13 guys, be a little rough when you throw them in the police car." And yeah. people said, "Donald Trump wants police to be rough with uh, Latino youths." It was freaking incredible. Media is the enemy of the American people. So Douglas Murray, he tweeted that out four hours ago. He also tweeted out four hours ago, after watching the raw footage of Hamas's 7th October terrorist attack, including Mm -hmm. the constant cries of Aloha Akbar, not least while cutting a young man's head off with a shovel, I'm not sure I ever want to hear those words screamed on British streets ever again. I don't blame him. Yes, those have been very little good comes right after that is yelled. I think we've all uh, can attest to that. Here's him at an event last night. But I would say one thing, uh, Jordan, you brought up the issue of a multicultural society and its limits, and I would send people out with one thought in particular. All societies must have limits. Limits about what they will put up with and what they will not. This past week has been the first time in my life that Jewish friends from abroad have asked me if London is a safe place for Jews. I feel such shame about this. And I would like to say one very practical thing. It is not Jews who should fear being in London. It is the people who would make Jews fear being in London. But I would say one thing, uh, Jordan, you brought up the issue of Trying a multicultural to get off of society and its limits, and I would send people out. So, tough talk from Douglas Murray, who I love, so, you know, it, it has to be said, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I mean, of course, there's, so, I think there's, in the United States, there are still a bunch of people and places and institutions that are on, like, the right side of this, right? So... You know, we talked about the editor of the Harvard Law Review who was pushing Jewish students around because they also showed up at their protest. They dared to come and counter protest and Mm -hmm. show up there. And they, you know, basically assaulted these Jewish students that showed up there. Um, A bunch of the biggest law firms in the country 
including like names we're familiar with, you know, have put out a big letter saying like if you are, you know, fomenting anti-Semitism on your campus, then we're not going to recruit from there anymore. Yes. Yes. Which is a really big deal because these are the places if you take on the student debt to go to law school, these are the places that are going to pay you like a hundred and seventy five two hundred thousand dollars right out of law school to go there so that you can repay your student loans and all these things if you want to work in big law then you're going to have problems if you're on video assaulting jewish students or you know making threats in online forums like the dude at cornell was so there there are still some institutions that are pushing back on this a lot of these universities have big donors that are pushing back on this um which is all good stuff but then there's like also people that are you know pushing back the other way too there's people going around and you know marking jewish businesses putting stickers on sabra hummus in the grocery store you know saying that this is like an israeli owned business and don't help them etc etc so it's you know out there there are people on the wrong side of this too out there that are you know going after jewish people marking jewish people essentially and saying that you know they have to that you know they should be in some way boycotted or something for being jewish which is craziness um yeah and then you know and then at the same time out of the other side of their mouth a bunch of people will say there's vice ran an article saying that neo-nazis are trying to uh, teach Palestinian protesters anti-Jewish conspiracy theories. <laughs> so they need any help. All 17 neo-Nazis in America are going to come. Like, we have a real problem with, you know, people who actually want to kill Jews. <laughs> clearly. We do, but unfortunately, the political class is in the fetal position. Right. Totally. Which is not good. Not good. In which is going to that an accurate assessment? How would you respond? Did you see the thing? Want to address U.S. support to Israel, the White House pivots to Islamophobia. Uh, is that an accurate assessment? How would you respond? I'll let them speak to their opinion of our work. I can tell you that 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 this strategy is born from a genuine desire to go after the kind of hate in America hate. that could lead to real threats of hate. violence against real people. <laughs> our, our fellow citizens who, have, who are of, of the Muslim faith or um, uh, in the Arab community and Palestinian community, I mean, that comes from a genuine uh, instinctual uh, uh, place for the president and for the vice president. No, it is a special. Right. Hate is your BS umbrella term for uh, just a way to label people. To be holocausted is something unique to Jews. Right. Freaking, oh my God. And, I mean, did you see the guy, the reporter from The Intercept, who tweeted out, if you or someone you know, because Amy Schumer has been really vocally pro-Israel oh, no, on I didn't social know that. media, uh, Daniel Boguslav from... Um, the Intercept tweeted out, if you or someone you know has ever waited on Amy Schumer, please contact me securely at com or on Signal. We'll protect your anonymity. <laughs> so they're trying to find like people right. that she's like tipped badly or something so they can go after her for what? <laughs> like if you've ever waited on her. Can you imagine? Because she's saying pro-Israel stuff. If you're Jews, you have to get massacred 
and shut up about it. And politely, and yep, yep, and shake it off. That's what it is. Right. Here's Donald Trump. In recent weeks, Americans have been horrified to see students and faculty at Harvard and other once-respected universities expressing support for the savages and jihadists who attacked (laughs) Israel. We spend more money on higher education than any other country, and yet they're turning our students into communists and terrorists and sympathizers of many, many different dimensions. We can't let this happen. It's time to offer something dramatically different. Under the plan I'm announcing today, we will take the billions and billions of dollars that we will collect by taxing, (coughs) fining, and suing excessively large private university endowments. And we will then use that money to endow a new institution called the American Academy. Its mission will be to make a truly world-class education available to every American, free of charge, and do it without adding a single dime to the federal debt. (laughs) That's a good talking point. It's a good line, yeah. Yes, it is. Uh, Who knows? Mexico's going to pay for it. Fine. (laughs) It's the same like saying you're going to send money to Israel and do it by cutting the IRS, right? Right. So, speaking of the new House Speaker... Um, we talked a little in our Patreon segment on Sunday about how they went after him for th- they don't believe that he really adopted a black teenager when he was first married, um, took him in. And um, so they were like all doing forensics on that story. So now the latest rap on him, this new speaker, Mike Johnson, yes. is that he's too poor to be speaker. So he must be bad at managing money because he was a lawyer and his wife works. And so between the two of them, they make like a little over Mm $200,000 a year. They have a bunch of kids. I mean, he has to have a second place in D.C., but he's not a gazillionaire. Like he doesn't have any checking or savings accounts that meet the $5,000 minimum threshold to report on his financial reports. So and he doesn't have any like big savings. So he's clearly not like doing any lobbying or big speaking engagements or, you know, he. He's not in Congress. He's not doing insider trading like the rest of them, yes, apparently. we'd like our congressman to be full, fully corrupt. Because, like, why are they all millionaires? It doesn't make sense. I mean, $200,000, yes, that's a lot of money. But it's also not inconceivable that if you have to maintain a second place to live in D.C. and you have a bunch of kids, that you would not have big savings with an income, a family income of, like, 200 and something thousand dollars a year. Is it? Uh, no. No, I... I- yeah, but but that reminds me. And they're like, see, he's not really fiscally conservative. Right. I don't he's care not on what, the take. He's not a millionaire. I don't care what he does with his money, you guys. I only care what he does with my money. Like what? This is from the Free Beacon. This is this is related. Right. Your tax dollars pay for millionaire Democrats' swanky D.C. apartments. Taxpayers are funding lo- uh, luxury housing accommodations for AOC and over 200 other members of Congress, many of whom boast net worths over a million dollars. How As do they all have million plus dollar uncanny, network? Uncanny, uncanny. Yeah, one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars a year. If you're traveling yes. back and forth from D.C. to your state all the time, is you know it's it's a lot of money, right. obviously, but it's not you become a millionaire <laughs> money. As one of their last actions with their majority, Democrats quietly tucked a provision into internal House rules that grants lawmakers access to an optional. $34,000 annual subsidy to pay for their Washington, D.C. housing and meal expensive expenses. So they can go, they're paying for, you know, boxed lunches from Capitol Grill and their housing. 
Right. Taxpayers have doled out over 8700 to pay for the Democratic Socialists' lodging, that's AOC, and meals throughout the first half of 2023 record show. Can you imagine this? She's independently wealthy, and we were paying for her. Right. In total, 113 Democrats and 104 Republicans, all scumbags, have taken advantage of the program, raking in a combined $1.4 million from taxpayers during the first half of 2023. Uh, Free Beacon saw that Rep. Katie Porter, who's, you know, the, the right. school mom kind of thing, um, who reported a net worth of up to $1.8 million in her latest financial disclosure, and House Minority Whip Catherine Clark, D. Massachusetts, who boasts a net worth of up to $13.5 million. They're all taking this money, taxpayer money. These right. freaking whores. And I don't mean that they're whores as in prostitutes. I mean, well, yes, I do. They are prostitutes, the men and the women in, in there. Mm-hmm. Um, young House Democrats passed the housing subsidy in response to criticism from younger members, including AOC, who have long complained that their 174 k is insufficient to maintain a home in their districts and pay for skyrocketing rent in the nation's capital. Well, Paul Ryan slept in his office. This is why people do this. Right. And you don't have a... You, yeah. You, since taking office in 2019, AOC has rented an apartment in a luxury DC building that boasts amenities including a rooftop pool and indoor golf simulator. AOC's fellow members of the squad, six of whom voted against the House resolution last week condemning Hamas's terrorist rampage in Israel, can also thank taxpayers for financing their Washington DC living expensive. Rep. Ilhan Omar has billed taxpayers over $14,000 for lodging and meals during the first half of 2023. Rep. Rashida Tlaib has received 6800 from taxpayers for her lodging and meals. And squad member Jamal Bowman, who was ordered last week to pay a $1,000 fine for intentionally pulling a fire alarm, has received $6,200. All of these people are pigs. Mm-hmm. Pigs and Matt Gates is Matt right Gaetz, there. Matt Gates, I said, yeah, I yep. was about to say, I think he had like one of the highest meal expenses out of everybody. He's billed seventeen thousand. I think I, I want everybody on this list to be thrown out of office. You are an effing dirtbag. But then again, <laughs> this is what you voted for. This is what you wanted. Well, but then it's so crazy because then they have the nerve to act all high and mighty. And there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Want to censure George Santos and throw him out of Congress. He survived his vote to stay in Congress only barely, which like <clears throat> I get it. He's a scumbag, but they're all scumbags. Yeah, I'm. I like Santos. <laughs> and if and if the people's voters keep voting them in, then like why does Congress get to vote out one scumbag over another scumbag? They all suck. So what? <sighs> um, did you see the Hunter Biden op-ed? 
No, did he write one? Yes. No, I didn't. He see wrote it. Uh, in USA Today. Hunter Biden, I fought to get sober. Political weaponization of my addiction hurts more than me. My struggles and mistakes have been fodder for a vile and sustained disinformation campaign against my father, President Joe Biden, and an all-out annihilation of my reputation. Imagine being a scumbag like this who's on the take like all these people in Congress and mm -hmm. like his dad and like his uncle and like everybody else who's just making money off of all this stuff and to have the nerve to go out here and complain that you're being unfairly maligned. <laughs> over four years ago, I chose life over the slow, strangled death grip of addiction, which in my case consisted each day of a bottle of vodka and as many hits on a crack pipe as possible. I am prouder of that choice and of my recovery than anything I've ever done. My experience is not a unique one. At least 20 million Americans today suffer from substance abuse disorder. How many of them get <coughs> checks from China while they're suffering from substance abuse disorder? Yeah, how many of them just uh, cut off the mother of their baby's uh, health care uh, after knocking them up? Don't and try to stiff the uh, alimony per or you know the paternity payments, etc. Right. He's a particularly unique scumbag. There's lots of addicts who simply watch the Benny Hill show, or you know, or, or or who don't do what this guy did. He's a dirtbag, corrupt criminal, punk in f in the uh, uh, shit. So. He says, I'm not a victim. By any standard, I grew up with privilege and opportunity and fully accept the choices and mistakes I made are mine, and I am accountable wow. for them and will continue to be. What, a guy. what troubles me is the demonization of addiction, of human frailty, using me as its avatar and the devastating consequences it has for millions struggling with addiction, desperate for a way out and being bombarded by the denigrating and near-constant coverage of me and my addiction on Fox News. More airtime than GOP presidential candidate Rhonda Santas and in the New York Post an average of two stories a day over the past year. For those of us who live in recovery and for those who love someone in recovery, we know how hard fought our newfound lives are in letting go of the shame and making amends. Far too few will ever experience the miracle of recovery unless we change the stigma around addiction. The weaponization of my addiction by partisan and craven factions represents a real threat to those desperate to get sober but are afraid of what may await them if they do. Honey, are the are regular people who struggle with addiction going to be investigated by Congress if they get sober? Uh, <laughs> you know what's funny is that, and he calls it addiction disorder. Substance so, abuse disorder, so yeah. So it's funny because that absolves him from all the damage he did to all the people around him. Yeah. Everything that it's he did. It's a disorder. It's an yep. illness. No, I was, I'm was. i a victim, too, just like you, who I stole money from, who I lied to, who I knocked up, who I stiffed, who I... Yeah, I had to. Every addict has to sleep with the wife of their late brother. That's a thing. There's no choice. I had... I didn't have a choice. It's already a near impossible decision for addicts to get sober, and the avalanche of negativity and assault of my personal privacy may only make it harder for those considering it. See, you're making people not get sober because you, you know said bad things about Hunter Biden. I haven't Biden. done cocaine very often, Alice, but when I have, it's <laughs> always been off the uh, derriere of a most likely underage prostitute. It's always been. Please, do the scumbag. The effort of recovery is something that should be celebrated. And I hope that despite my role as the punchline and punching bag for some, others will also make this the effort I have This dude is taking made. foreign money for <laughs> crap art right now out of bribes so that they can the people who buy the art can get posts as ambassadors. He is a, just a piece. Ugh. See? 
you're really hurting the everybody else who's addicted to yeah. it. Else, we have a new uh, mm-hmm. segment here that we're going to do every Thursday. Yep, we do. Called the Sup With You. Sup With You. Sup With You. Sup With You. That's called uh, Slang. Else. Very cool. And it is in it, Else. We're going to talk about what we're reading, what we're. Either, so I listen to podcasts, and almost all of them that I love have a segment like this at the end, and I hate this segment. Mm-hmm. So we decided to do it too. Sup with you. So we're going to talk about what we're reading, what we're uh, listening to, and anything else that we're kind of into now. How did I put it earlier? You have the text, right? No, because I gave my phone to our child. Okay, what we're re- reading, adventuring, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but certainly reading and watching and listening to. So, sup with you. Um, sup with me. Um, so I recently started watching with our daughter because I'm a big believer in the, uh, watching stuff that's like questionable things that are popular with young people mm. with your kid. I started watching the TV show The Summer I Turned Pretty on Amazon with our daughter. Is that the thing I saw? You saw one of, like half of one of the episodes when you came home the other night, oh, and she and I were watching it. And that's with the parents... With the two moms that are friends on yes, like yes, the yes. fake Nantucket yes. like, new, yeah. like it's vacation home It's one of these that reminds me of... Things. What does it remind us of? The, like the Hallmark the, the Channel. Perry yeah, things. or like all the... yeah. All these yeah. like everything's overly antiseptic. It's, it's, it's terrible, yeah. but it's really like anti- it's fun to watch because everything's so everyone's elegant. like super clean and rich and yes. diverse. Yeah. And I like I can like, do that all day. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, it has a bunch of silly progressive junk in it, and but. You know, I I think it's better if like all your kids' friends are watching mm-hmm. some show and into it and they're gonna hear about it and talk about it with their friends anyway, that it's better to like watch it with them and talk about it as you go too, rather than like pretend that it's not we, guys yeah. those parents watching right now who don't have your S together, don't believe a word she's saying. This is the, we don't have our together. No, like I'm this. not saying I have my life together, but I do You sound very do, much like a parent at- I do get I do try and keep up with like media our kids are into and also watch and listen to it, which is true. And I'm also reading the Percy Jackson books because our daughter's into them and is going to be watching the show when it comes out in December. Okay. I have been watching and rewatching, as a matter of fact. I love documentaries. So I've been watching We the People, The Market Basket Effect. Nice, um, nice. Which, uh, I, and we kind of lived through that stuff being up here in Massachusetts. And it's a really interesting story because it's an unbelievable story that shows you, you know, however bad things are right now in the, the, the people who are just captured by this anti-Semitism, whatever. The We the People thing shows you when populist movements are good and when people mm-hmm. get captured in a good thing. It's just an unbelievable story of the most... Fa- we didn't even know, really know much about Mass Market Basket. I, I didn't shop there until like 10 years ago. Um, but it is beloved. It's a beloved uh, pro, um, uh, supermarket. And it's a story of the owner who was great to people and his, uh, the rest Arthur of his family. Estimulus. <clears throat> right. And essentially, it's a great story of business and family and strife and loyalty from customers. Because so this guy was so good to his to his workers and customers that people just stopped shopping there when ownership changed hands. They said, nope, doesn't matter. And it's just unbelievable. It's a very good story. Now, for what I'm reading, this is a tough one for me because I don't read books. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have not read um, 
literally, like I've told you this before, other than like Ann Coulter's books or whatever, like 11 books ago for me was something by Judy Bloom in, yeah, in 1982. So I'm going to go back to one of the last books that I've read in full, which is 1974's Masterpiece, Where the Sidewalk Ends by Shel Silverstein, who's a genius. Mm-hmm. But uh, yes, I read this in 1982, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a brilliant book of brilliant poems from a rather interesting guy who is a jack of all trades, really. Shel Silverstein, very interesting story. And um, I would recommend it to to everybody. If you don't know it, because a lot of time has passed. I mean, that's 50 years ago, essentially. I mean, people still read Shel Silverstein when I was a kid. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's just simply... He wrote The Giving Tree. Yep, yep. Um, he wrote, yeah, he, he's got a few, few of those, but just, just fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it actually reminds me, and this is a good, this is a good, uh, you know, I'm going to be doing super fudge. This is, we're going to be reviewing super <laughs> fudge. Um, <coughs> all the most recent fudge. It reminds read. me of his poetry actually reminds me a little bit of John Lennon's writing. If you ever had, um, a, a, a Spaniard in the works, I think John Lennon in his own right. Um, if you've ever read those, uh, they're kind of very flighty, very Lewis Carroll-like uh, wordplay. Um, it's kind of like kind of like that. I'm telling people everything they know because everybody was eight and has read Where the Sidewalk Ends and knows the mm-hmm. little Peggy and McKay. Okay, speaking of John Lennon, this is the biggest Beatles development, really, that we've ever talked about because the Beatles have a new song out. That is, I mean, the documentary, the Let It Be documentary. <coughs> right, but that's not a Beatles piece of music. Mm. Here's the Beatles' new song. It's called, well, maybe you should talk about the song first. Tell, tell, tell people what they need to know about it. So this was like a demo thing that John Lennon had made, obviously, before he died. So like in the 70s. Right, and, much like Free as a Bird in Real Love. Right. So they had this and they tried to in the 90s when george was still alive tried to do something with it but did not have the technology at the time because it was recorded all on one track like with the piano and his voice to um they tried to do something with it but weren't didn't have the technology to to separate it well enough to be able to do anything with it and so they kind of left it where it was but then once peter jackson did his thing um that documentary that we watched like last year or whatever that was, two years ago. It was Get Back. Uh, Get Back. And that was, um, that he, some of the technology that he developed to do that, all that like remastering or whatever he did, they were able to separate the vocals on that John Lennon track and they redid it using stuff from, from when George had worked on it before as well as. Oh, George had worked on it. In the 90s, yeah, back oh, when they tried okay. to do it before. The <clears throat> they had tried to put it together into something before, and they weren't able to get it to work, but they used some of that too. So it has all four Beatles on it, and it's they've made it now into a song. Okay, let's listen it. to a little bit of it. Oh, because 
get the okay. idea. You can go listen to the whole thing. Okay. So um, I, I had a couple of takeaways. One, I've never, it sounds like nothing that John Lennon has ever done. It, it sounds, the way the chords and melody are, sounds nothing like John Lennon had ever done. Um, it, which is probably why he didn't do it. Uh, it, it, I also found well, that, that Peter Jackson is supposedly that. getting some credit for, as you said, separating the vocals from the piano, it, but it, his voice is weak in this. So obviously he took too much out. And and I've you know I've done this just on yeah, Adobe Audition where I've tried like to strip voices. Yeah, he's the voice is too thin. There's not he, he took too much out. Um, this does not sound like a John Lennon song. It sounds like, like a Harry comment. Chapin song or a George Harrison song in a, in a uh, Ringo song and a little bit of a Julian Lennon song. This does not sound like a John song. I, I, To me, I will say I find this song to be rubbish. Um, so, yeah, so one comment that I saw someone make on Twitter was, uh, love Paul, love Ringo Lennon was their pal, but nothing I heard made me think he'd be okay with using scraps of something he tossed off and forgot one day in 1977 to yep. make mediocre elevator music. <laughs> yep. Which I thought was a little extreme. I mean, I think, I think the song itself is better than the production of the song. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I do. Like the melody I, I, and the I agree lyrics. The production sucks. In... The melody and the lyrics and stuff, but it's so heavy. It's not heavy. a good song. It's a sh- but, it's a crap ass B side at best. But the thing is, like, John has this voice, and like, I mean, obviously, it has different manifestations because he's done a lot of types of singing, but like, he has this voice, and when he sings a song like this, it's like ethereal almost. You know, when he does these sort of like floaty, right, like, like mind games kind of songs, like sure and that, but yeah, but and that like heavy, clunky piano and stuff like drags it down to me. It's like very. Yeah. It sounds like a George uh, outtake. It's, it's it, it obviously there's, this is a criminal. They should not have done this. Should not have done this. The this song is not cooked. It's not ready. It's not. It sucks, and they shouldn't shouldn't have done this. I appreciate. I always appreciate Ringo's drum fills. It reminds me of the Beatles, but this is this is no bueno. I mean, they they pulled one out of the hat with "Real Love" and "Free as a Bird," both of which I thought were beautiful. Um, but also, you know, that was a different time. But mm-hmm. this is yeah, this is dismissed dismissed but and I, I hate the idea that, that john's name is on it because it's not a Beatles song lennon did not put this song out there i, I understand what yeah but doing. you have to credit him because he wrote it like obviously yeah but he, you know he wrote it but he you know you don't you, you've written stuff right mm-hmm. you know and i've written songs before and you never want to show anybody anything until it's ready right you never want them it's such an insecure thing like you never want to show anybody until it's ready, especially mm-hmm. with a song, you know. You know, I wrote songs with another guy, and basically only he and I. And it was a bunch of it was a bunch of uh, d- uh, disclaimers. Oh, wait, this one's not ready. I'm just messing around here. I'm just not ready. Not ready. Ready. And so they they pulled this out of the not ready pile. And I think this this is terrible. I, I also think Paul is really exploiting this crap. The get back tour and the fake John on stage and all that stuff. Jesus. I mean, he always wanted to be. I mean, Beatles. you can see that in the Get Back movie a yes. little bit too. Even the Paul wanting to milk the being a Beatle thing, you know, much more than some of the other people there. Yeah, and I guess he deserves it more than me. 
All right, Alice, what is the hot sauce? Oh, it, we, we got a long uh, hot sauce. Oof. Uh, that is chat, the, chat. Uh, Chelsea Fire Wicked Hot Sauce on the Chelsea Fire Wicked Hotline. I should have shut up a long time ago, kid. Guys, I worry for Kamala. I just don't know how she's going to be able to handle all of her duties. I mean, <laughs> she is now in charge of making sure that there is an eight in the nation and she's going to make sure everybody's prosecuted for that and she also has to be in charge of the border mm-hmm. and make sure that all the crossings are legal mm-hmm. and that there isn't terrorists or drugs or anything coming over the border so how is she going to be able to juggle all this and don't forget the racism in home appraisals right and, um, and root causes. Root causes. Yeah. Well, but he, so listen to this. I'm what surprised if, they haven't sent her to the Middle East yet. To no, try but seriously, there is that. speculation that they did this to nuke her. Yeah. That the administration made her do this to be the point person for this. And so it just, she just implodes now. That's it. <laughs> Didn't they? Isn't that what they tried to do with the border? Well, I mean, with the border, I mean, obviously, an adept politician could just make up. You know, to try to make chicken salad, but but I like to believe it's true. I don't believe that the this administration is competent enough to be that conniving. <laughs> but I wish, uh, Dr. Cheswick being renamed due to history. Mm. Oh. Hi, folks. I just wanted to um, comment on the um, ornithological society's mm-hmm. changing of the names. Still an un-effing believable story. I didn't get to read it yet on the air on the radio show. I will tomorrow. You know, when you erase history, you can make up your own. Mm-hmm. And just like what's happening with Faneuil Hall and how people want to remove the name of Faneuil mm-hmm. from that building because he was a slave trader, mm-hmm. instead of making it a teachable moment for people stating, yeah, this guy paid to build this place and this is what it was used for for a while and now... It sits in the middle of the city. It's become a place of meeting and love and safeness or whatever the f*** they want to say. But they just want to erase bad, bad, bad so everything can be rainbows and cheery and moving forward without Mm -hmm. teaching anyone anything. And now you have people tearing down posters because the Jews are just things that we need to get rid of. It's disgusting. Yep. This is the result of all of this liberal school teaching and removal of things like civics, history, etc. Good luck. Yeah. Because people are going to get mm-hmm. slammed right in the face with a shovel with reality. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And yeah, now everything, like the story of World War II and, you know, the Oppenheimer, you know, effect. You guys, did we really need to? Context, context. It's like you didn't live, you weren't there in 1945. Well, American families were seeing, you know, official, uh, you, you know, uh, attaches from the army drive up their driveway and tell them that their 17-year-old kid was dead. It's like, F you, man. Uh, but good call. Andy in Cambridge. Have we, do we, have we heard from Andy? Yeah, we have. Oh, good. Tom, Alice. Hey, Andy. Hey, Andy. Andy, five minutes east of the Phoenix Landing. Oh, that's right. Of course. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Did I miss that. I've also heard that uh, McGann's is closed. They're all closed, Alice. Steve brought up Bianca Della 
Garza. Yes. And she is working at Newsmax. She's on sometime midday or something. I occasionally get to leer at her on my TV. (laughs) So tell Steve Newsmax. Cheers. There you go. She was the gold standard. The gold standard, Alice. My goodness. Hello, Tom and Alice. Congrats on the baby. Thank you. Thank Um, you. But uh, on a serious note, we're uh, remembering the general, Bob Knight. Yeah. Died uh, yesterday at the age of 83. He had uh, dementia in his final years. Oh, yeah. That's Justin's neck of the woods, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love Bobby Knight. I'm I'm thankful that his family decided to have him in a peaceful place other than uh, our current president just, you know, (laughs) running around, blabbing and... Being incoherent about corn pop and who knows what, mm-hmm. but Bob Knight, you know, uh, the the thing about that about Bob Knight I think about is two things: uh, uh, a winning coach and a temper. Yes, that's what I think about when I think about uh, Bob Knight. What a personality! Uh, the the last championship he won was in '87, and uh, I was at the at the um, celebration down on Kirkwood. I was a little baby, of course. But, yes. You know, I'd like to think I had a little stogie in my infantile hand. <laughs> anyway, rest in peace. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, this is, says just to piss off the other Tommy in New Hampshire. Uh oh. This is not going to make Tommy happy. Hey, guys, I was thinking, what is your Mount Rushmore of podcasts? For me, it is the Burn Barrel. Thank you. The All You Can Eat podcast. Thank you. The Kirk Minahan Show Mm -hmm. and Healthy Debate. What do you guys have as your top four? It's funny you say that because I can't do – I mean, I I like Rico, but I hate him calling into Kirk's show. i got to say. I I think – I mean, come on, man. And they're all acting like it's good. It's not. They know it's not. But so obviously my favorite podcast to see in my inbox is – it came out. It's the Kirk Minahan Show. Next to that, I would say the rest are all politics. So next to that mm-hmm. for me is um, the commentary podcast. I love those guys in commentary. Um, and then the Glenn Lowry uh, podcast. He's fantastic. It makes me happy. And then the Andrew um, Sullivan podcast. Um, and then the Fifth Column podcast. But I also like National Review. And I even listen to uh, Jonah you Goldberg. You do the Reason one, too. Reason. I like those guys. And I love Matt Welch, obviously. And, and Matt Walsh, as well. And Ben Shapiro. So I've got like I, I got a bunch of them. Yeah. You um, do a lot of current events. Yeah. Alice does do. a lot of uh, religious stuff. Or do you yeah, or like history, too. Like, I do the Fall of Civilizations podcast. That's the one we listen to? That's the one. That's the one that has video that... Oh. I've shown you before. What's the one we listened to about the Incas and the Maya, whatever? The Incas, that's the fall of civilization. That's really good. But that's then there's really the good. Rest is History podcast, too, yeah. which I've played you ones about, like, the Salem Witch Trials in there. That's great, too. And they did one. They're British, but they do, and, and it's um, Tom Holland who's on there, not, as our daughter asked, the Tom Holland who's in Spider-Man. No, not that one. Not <laughs> Uh, He's a an British author. historian and author, Tom Holland, um, who specializes in talking about like the Roman Empire and stuff. Mm-hmm. But they're British, but they do they do like random topics. So they'll do like one on Marilyn Monroe mm-hmm. and one on like 
they'll do like a little series. We listened to four of them that they had that were about the Civil War and Lincoln, which was kind of interesting hearing British people talk about the American Civil War. Yes, it is. But they have a million of them on different topics, and they're kind of, I really like those. The rest is history. Um, yeah, and then I listened to, uh, there's a religious one I really like called The Lord of Spirits. That's all about like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to explain what it is. Um, but about like, if you're into like Nephilim stuff and, um, like Gigantomachy and, um, like kind of the more like spiritual warfare aspect of Christianity, it's like really good about stuff like that and lots of like historical christianity and like ancient languages and comparative mythology like um like the succession myth you know how there's like lots of in like you know how lots of ancient religions have a myth where like the son overthrows the father god you know like zeus overthrowing kronos or you don't know you're pouring a beer into a shot glass at this point that's okay but anyway Kronos? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that was... I thought it was just the cash register people. There you go. That wasn't in um, (laughs) where the sidewalk ends, apparently. No, but anyway. um, Yeah, and it's good. and, And yeah, if you're into like mythology and ancient languages and the Bible and Christianity, it's like that, that type of stuff. That's rough. I enjoy that type of stuff. So, and like I said, I've been reading the Percy Jackson books with my daughter. So it's really good. I love mythology and like was big into Latin and classics <sighs> in school. So I think that stuff's great. And I can tell my he daughter. Only wanted, all he kinds wanted a brief answer. I think this is great. This is about, great. Yeah. Okay. okay. This is, uh, I, do li- I do listen to slash watch KMS also. There you go. And my friend Montante's World, by the way. Let's and Montante's World, of course. And, and Menners, and actually. And Jerry and Menners. And Jerry, of course. I forgot Jerry. Hope Jerry's voice, I hope he gets better yeah. and he gets back in there. He should have, Jerry, you know what he should have? Somebody somebody can pass this on to him. Jerry should have one of us fill in for him each day. I could do a day. Uh, Montante could do a day. I'm talking about Jerry Callahan. Montante could do a day. Mm-hmm. Um, you could do a day, maybe? Yeah, you could now, certainly. And then, like, one more to do a day. And so Jerry's got content coming out there. I would do it. Um, Mark from Bizarro World. Okay. Have you heard from Mark? We've He's given us T-shirts before. Oh, wait. It's at Mark. Bizarro World, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. Now, Mark. Congratulations, Tom Thank and Alice. You. Thank you, Mark. On the birth of your new son. Thank you. Peter rabbit robinson <laughs> shattuck oh that reminds me by the way thank you to patty from nagatuck who actually gave, gave us a box of lovely gift of little peter rabbit stuff yeah including um a little it's rattle into, yeah, yeah it's, it's great i was thinking of you guys the other night my wife and i sat down to watch a new movie on netflix Ooh. called old dads yes yes bill burr mm-hmm. yeah i'd see that i'd check that out oh we don't have netflix, i just canceled so. the netflix again because I didn't think we were using it, but we could get it back. It's like, I only buy the really cheap one that has ads. Oh, yeah. And then I, get it for a couple months while we watch something and then turn it off I again. I do like Bill Burr. Tom, you got to yes. see this. I'll check it I'm out. I'm sure you guys can relate to it. Yeah. It is perfect to celebrate the birth of your new son. That's cool. Congratulations again and enjoy the movie. I can't wait for the review. Thank you LOL. so much. LOL. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mark. We're going to watch Old Dad's Elves. Nice. Since I'm an old dad now. 
Hey guys, I uh, hey. just wanted to say I enjoyed the NSFW slash oh, yeah. explicit show. Uh, real passion from Tom. That Thank was you. Great. Uh, Tom, you should just uh, continue to talk about whatever the hell you want to talk about. And uh, part two of this, of course, <laughs> is that uh, if you were to go all explicit, yeah. Alice uh, wouldn't have to hide when she flops them out to feed feed a rabbit like she did in episode uh, 879 anyway love the show guys love the explicit shows love the non-explicit shows. oh did you love the work you bear do. your breasts Thanks. on this podcast yeah but i didn't show that's what he's saying are you sure you didn't yeah i cut it off i'm in charge of the video wait a second wait a second. today hold he's hold just spitting up on me wait a second what you're miss breastfeed everywhere publicly, and you're looking for somebody to tell you you can't do it there so that you can sue them. You've been doing this now for 13 years with all our kids. <laughs> if the world gets to see you doing this, why don't our podcast viewers? <laughs> Seriously. It's not. I don't want it on video. But why? Just if you're don't. doing it anyway, Alice. <laughs> I just don't. It's weird. I don't know. I want your feedback on this, guys. No. And ladies, please. Breastfeeding isn't. Sexual. I want baby. your it's opinion on that too, eating. please, guys. No, for guys, it's just a baby. Not eating. for me, but for some of these guys, it probably is. Which I apologize to you for, Alice. Mm. It's not sexual, guys. Stop it. When it comes to the vulgarities yesterday, was I listening to Tom Shattuck or Andrew Dice Clay? <laughs> Are you going to tell us next about Jack and Joe going up the hill? Each with a buck and a quarter. Jill came down with two fifty, right? Yep. Oh my goodness, that was that was so important. Introduce Clay. My goodness. Well, I mean, I don't know what yesterday. We just it was it was just, it was, just, whatever. But it was. I mean, obviously things are going effing crazy here. And once I did, is I, I I at one point there were so many swears that I just thought there's no way I can. I don't have the time to clean this up at this time. So we just threw it out there. So. We'll see what happens. Maybe they want. Maybe we should speak freely, Alice. Do we swear? Nobody else swears. Gives a flying frig, right? Yeah, but if you don't, then like more places will monetize on your show. If you don't, okay. And SFM. People say Alice. that they like it. SFM. Steve from Merrimack. <laughs> I have spit up on me now. I just took a shower and I have spit up on me again. Steve from Merrimack. Alice, congratulations on the birth of Peter. I reached out via direct message to Tom last week when uh, the show didn't appear on my feed one morning. And uh, I just asked him, uh, are we having some movement in the baby department? And yes, you were. So congrats to you both. Thank That's you. awesome. Thank you. Um, I, a couple of things. One is, given all this stuff that's going on, these... Islamo-fascist Nazis in, mm -hmm. in our cities and our schools and all this other stuff. To our Jewish brethren, do you think maybe it's time to rethink your membership in the Democratic Party? Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it's really? clearly they hate you. Yes. It's, uh, it's, it's really disgusting. And that, not hate as in pie-in-the-face hate. Hate as in... Cheer for your genocide hate. Yes. Holy hell. And I'm so disturbed... Yeah. By what I've been seeing. And, it, it, you know, this stuff's happening in New York. And where is Chuck Schumer? I mean, right. he's, what is, is he? Amy Schumer you know, is braver than of, Chuck Schumer right now. It's incredible. 
Dick Durbin calling for a ceasefire. What the freak is going on here? They're scared of their voters. Holy hell. Oh, man. We are not bringing our best. Holy. What is, is he, you know, in terms of uh, Congress, he's the most senior Jewish person in Congress. And he's he's been totally invisible, like yeah. completely invisible on this. It's just it's just so depressing. And I I mean, I feel like with all this stuff going on, I'm like almost ashamed like for yeah. the first time in my life of my country. And, you know, with all of these people streaming in over the border, I'm beginning to feel unsafe for the first time in my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, tell me if you think I'm being too extreme, but no. all I can picture is these guys pouring over the border and setting up terror cells everywhere. Like, they're, yeah. they're probably doing it already. Yeah. Uh, anyway, not my funniest message. But, uh, <laughs> we'll get back to it. No. Yeah, seriously. And then Salon has a piece out today. MAGA and Christian nationalism, bigger threat to America than Hamas could ever be. Um, Did you guys see what the Hamas people did? If the Hamas people had done January 6th, it would have been a slightly different operation. Just FYI, guys. And by the way, the context people who say, well, there's context. Hold on about the severing limbs and the rapes and all that stuff. When they hit us, they're going to have context, too. Yeah, There's always we're colonizers too. We've built in context into academia, into our culture now. So yeah, Steve, man, I'm right there with you. It's like, uh, I, it's, oh, it seems to me, it, is is this the purposeful, um, you know, uh, uh, destruction of the project that we had here in this country? Is that what's happening? Because it seems like it is. It seems like that we should have armed troops at the border saying. Stay the F over there. No. It also seems like in a rational country, we would have a whole bunch of chartered airplanes. And we would say, hey, you guys, I know you had a good time in Martha's Vineyard uh, staying here illegally. You're going home now. Bye-bye. Holy hell. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. Um, we will see you again on Sunday. We should do a food show, though, tomorrow, probably yes. in the morning. Um that would be good. We have a bunch of food topics we need to discuss. Um, that's, of course, the All You Can Eat podcast. You can, if you want to join the Patreon live streams and that stuff, that's at patreon.com slash burn barrel. But, of course, the show is always free, burnbarrelpodcast.com. C'est la vie. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.